bus driver and a preacher both get to heaven at the same time. <laughs> and uh, St. Peter goes, okay, like, rack capacity. <laughs> one of you <laughs> in right capacity. now, the other one's going to have to wait. Um, and he lets the bus driver in. And the preacher goes, oh, what? Well, hold on now. Like, I've lived a life according to God. I've lived a life um, according to, um, you know, everything, you know, like, uh, according to the scriptures. Why, why, um, why does he get to go ahead of me? And St. Peter says, well, you know, to be fair, when you were delivering your sermons, everybody was asleep. But when the bus driver was doing his job, everybody was awake and praying. <laughs> Dearly beloved, welcome to the Unblessed Podcast, where we inquire and exposit the mysteries of that ancient text, that good book itself, the Holy Bible. We are not theologians nor historians, we are but armchair philosophers who spent years in seminary or on a church staff and have since departed to make our own way. We invite you now to read, think, and laugh with us as we dive deep into the denominational doctrines of the divine in the Unblessed Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Unblessed Podcast. My name is Evan. And I'm Scott. And for the first time ever in this podcast, we are sitting in the same room together. It's a very special episode. I can reach across and touch you. We are touching fingies right now. fingies. Ooh, I'm curling my toes. Ooh, (laughs) I'm curling something. Oh, my God. This is going to be a really great episode or the worst episode we've ever recorded. We're going to find out today. Thanks for for taking a risk on us, folks. Yeah. Um, We are 2x seventh heaven watches scott did you ever watch the show seventh heaven i kn- i knew of it and i would watch it but honestly i hated watching it yeah i it drove me nuts it reminded me too much of the worst parts of my upbringing like just an anxious christian household at times oh, uh, yeah everything is always anxiety driven somebody's always doing something wrong or there's some misunderstanding the dad's always right. The parents are always right. Like this, that, or the other. We watched an episode last night, uh, and the the dad is such a hero the whole time. Like Absolutely. he can't do anything wrong. He's always in. So the episode we watched last night, just for reference, is he's consoling a woman who is being abused by her husband, mm. and he meets mm. her. He puts her. <laughs> Mm. <laughs> oh my god Evanson, mm. he loved the episode <laughs> mm. yes lord but uh he puts her up in a hotel for safety but the way he ministers to her is not i what i found was not appropriate i know he so puts her up in a hotel room i think is kind of fine um yeah get her out of this bad and situation I, and the thing is he could very well have explained away like a lot of this would be like yeah, you know, I've got a client, they're in a bad situation. I just had to, you know, I put her up in her hotel room and that's where she's at right now to anybody who was asking. Um, that's not giving away any sort of, I don't think client consultant confidentiality. Cause that's his whole thing is he's like, I can't talk about it. Yeah. I can't talk about it. But then like they're, they are, they meet again later and he's at damn Ruth's Chris or something like that. Like <laughs> with her talking yeah, over like they, a like, steak. To dinner together, like a nice dinner. Like it feels a little off and she looks just like his wife in the episode as well. So like, there's also something there of, it feels like he's trying to cheat on his wife. And that's the whole point of the episode is everyone in the town starts talking about what is his name? Pastor Dave. I don't even remember his first yeah, name. The, I, the, but Pastor Cuckface. <laughs> Oh my gosh, but, uh, he like the talk of the town, everyone thinks like one of the busybody neighbors comes over and bakes cookies for the mom. And she's like, that might've been what it might've been him that I saw leaving that hotel after dropping off that (laughs) slutty looking bitch. (laughs) It's horrible. Seventh heaven is a nightmare to watch now on this side of things. Um, I get 
I think I understand the appeal of what it, for what it was in the '90s and early 2000s. People wanted wholesome family content, I guess. But it is just to me, it's the whole show is just like a moral lesson that is so hard hitting and just like in your face. It, it it's not for me. So yeah. I'm, I'm officially an ex Seventh Heaven fan. But yeah. I think the only episode I ever truly watched was the one last night. Really, I don't think I ever sat down and actually watch the show like i remember seeing it on tv when i was a kid but like we would all make fun of it in my household like we would all just be like god this is the freaking seventh heaven because it's just boring and that's the thing is like even in christian households it was hilarious to make fun of yeah uh because it was like these are so forced it's all a morality play this isn't how life actually yeah works. it feels like sims like yeah, everyone's like, so loving and lovey-dovey all the time they love they worship their dad mm-hmm. you have to watch the first episode if you didn't watch that that's my only recommendation and to all the listeners is that the pot episode it's not the pot episode that, okay. that, that's like season one too i think it's like uh the fifth or sixth episode where they find a joint in the house and he's and like blaming all the kids and he like screams at his kids he's like yeah. this is immoral um the first episode is he catches his two, his daughter and son kissing on the basketball court. And it's all about incest. <laughs> That's wild. So, I just can't believe ABC or whoever picked it up that the pilot episode is a, a moral lesson about not kissing your sister. Because the plot is she's entering high school. It's like summer break. And she's like, well, I haven't kissed a boy yet. And her brother's like, it's not hard. I could show you how. (laughs) It's really gross, but I don't know how that was a pilot episode. And ABC was like, yes, this is what we need. Well, speaking of kissing your sister. Hey, here we go. um, So there's been a pastor going around on social media. Um, He's been... And we found out that he is the actual dad of, uh, or he's the father-in-law, yeah. I guess, of the Duggar who molested other kids in the Duggar family. Oof. But he gets out, and um, would it be legal for us to play his? No, yeah, it's like that. That's kind of like, uh, it's yeah, but Fair there. Park, yeah, it's it's too much for this okay, podcast. <laughs> I don't um, even want to repeat this guy's yeah. stuff. So basically, but. what he says is he's just he's getting on his uh sermon and he's in he's in that moment in the sermon where you're like i'm gonna i'm gonna bring it home i'm gonna gonna tie a ribbon around it this is where this is where we all um and so his he starts out and he's like did the slaves ever march on washington oh my god and this is this is like a week ago. Yeah, this is a week. This ago. is not like this is from, not like 1942. Yeah, this is not the 40s. <laughs> yeah, like and he's just like this is what oh. they did. You, it came winter time, and some you know well-meaning oh. people, <laughs> translation owners and slaves, yeah. you know, oh. um, said, "Hey, you know, it's cold outside. Why don't we build churches for you, and we can." Teach how to read, and you can read the Bible. He like speeds through that. Teach how to read the Bible. And what happened? He doesn't say black people. No. He, like he doesn't say the N word. He says blacks, and it oh. just like crushes my skin. Yeah, and he's just like they humbled themselves, and then God made slavery illegal. And I was like. No, <laughs> that's not how any of that works. I know it was it was it was history Mad Libs. The like, guy just decided like I'm gonna just make up a history story today. Like black people prayed enough and were humble enough that slavery just ended on its own because God just decreed it one day. It makes me sick. And I was telling you, protesting we were, for voting rights is not humble. Yeah. God, that's really his message is that protesting and fighting for your rights is not the godly attribute you should, uh, you know, look, strive for that. You should just be humble, just stay in your lane, stay in your current position and God will eventually, you know, pull you out of it. Yeah. Meanwhile, January 6th was fine. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, I'm curious what his sermon's on that next week. We'll that see what was he says what about. the sermon was. Was it like, really? Yeah, it was oh. contextualized around it. I wish we could find the whole clip. I, I, I couldn't. We were searching this morning, but if you need a, we're calling it Fair Park Baptist Church in what was it, Fort Worth, Texas. Fort Worth, Texas. So we're Go calling ahead and spam you out. Our YouTube channel. Yeah, we're calling you. You come on the show. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Oh my god. I don't think I could get a coherent conversation for five minutes with somebody like that. That is so just brain dead. That's the whole thing. So that that is probably the most coherent part of what we were watching. Oh, uh, honest to God, which is horrifying because the rest of it is him just telling stories and like. I like, bought you a know, DVD you know this, set at the store. Yeah, you know this DVD set I gave her that one, and now actually they have a sequel. It's about like twenty hours. You can pick it up here, that or the other. It's actually really good, and it does this. And he just goes on these like Donald Trump style rants where he's just like, "Oh, birdie," and like goes <laughs> off in that direction. And then like he comes back down to a version of Earth and delivers <laughs> um, quite an indictment on himself. I. I was mentioning earlier how it makes me truly sick to my stomach that there are churches around the country that just have these no direction in a sermon. Mm-hmm. Th- these these white guys will just get up there on stage with hardly any agenda. They might have a verse they're going to just, you know, putz around for a bit. And then they're just going to speak whatever comes to mind. They might just go... You know, I didn't like the conversation I had with my wife last night, and here's why. And they'll just start rambling. And people just, because they're in that authority position, people just sit there and nod and like... I'll just take it. Just take it. And that's how you... Like, I would say most of those small-town Baptist churches work is that you love your pastor, and Mm -hmm. your pastor can do no wrong. And that's, not to make it too dark, but this is exactly the breeding ground for predators, and yeah. especially sexual predators is like they they get in authoritative positions where people trust them inherently and they can't do any wrong in the public eye. So, of course, they didn't do that to that one kid or of course they didn't do that to their wife. Or of course, they weren't mean to their kids. Yeah. I mean, I had you know, in my church growing up, it, luckily nothing horrible like this happened. But I just remember we had pastors who, you know, they would be on stage. and You thought they were the most wonderful, just, you know charming people on earth and then they would go home and they'd be treating their wife and their kids like shit like they would just be i had I mean, one of our pastors would refuse to have his wife pay for anything or even get a job because he he had to be the man of the house that was a youth pastor that i had where it was uh it wasn't necessarily that it was we have an understanding that my income is the primary income he mm. was a youth pastor and his other job was um a clown. <laughs> His other job was like an anti-smoking campaign. Oh. So you can imagine like how much money he's rolling in. And his wife's job was a freaking nurse. Now, like yeah. not that nurses get paid like an exorbitant amount of money. But usually they're, you know, okay. Like, yeah, like making more money more than, than a, a youth part-time pastor. youth pastor. Yeah, for sure. Who is doubling as... A guy who's doing a no smoking can't like, not not like it is his campaign. He is just doing it. Yeah, that's just something he does in his spare time. That's so funny. That was almost the same situation where like one of our pastors, his wife was a nurse, and mm. she could get, she was able to get health insurance for the whole family, and he said no to that because he was like, I have to provide the benefits for my family. And you know what they did? They ended up not having any because he was being so selfish. I learned this like. When I was growing up, but as a kid, you don't know these things are going on. You think no. these pastors are just perfect, you know, that they have these perfect lives. Seventh heaven is truly what it is. Yeah. Ugh. Speaking of heaven. <laughs> We're on a roll with these transitions I, I today. Know, these are God. the best transitions. It's today, electric in this room right now. <laughs> the vibe. The vibe. This is why I keep saying we need to do a live show. We got the low lights in this room right oh, now. Man. We got the coffee brewed. We've got a laugh track. Ha 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 ha. That's just that's just us. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, speaking of speaking of heaven, um, today's topic is uh, going to be about heaven. Yeah, perfect. Not, not one through six. <laughs> <laughs> not heaven's one through six. Heaven one through six. The final heaven. The final heaven. The final destination. The final boss. <laughs> the boss battle. You had to fight the whole seventh heaven family to get to heaven. Yeah. Heaven. Um, yeah, let's dive in. Yeah. Scott, what are you like how what 
growing up, what would you say your idea of heaven was? How do you get there? What did it look like? A funny uh, story I remember as a young kid is during thunderstorms. Sometimes I get a little nervous and my mom would reassure me that, oh, like whenever it's there's thunder and lightning, that's just uh, Papa and the angels bowling in heaven. And I legit thought that like not, you know, like we've talked about this, like as a kid, like you kind of legit think about it, but it's also like, yeah, it's kind of like, like a tooth fairy. Like you believe it, but it's also kind of like, it's, it's just the only explanation you have. So for a while I was like, oh, I guess heaven's just kind of like this place where it's angels. A alley. Yeah. Like, so as a kid, I just imagine heaven as like this place where like, I, I always imagine it as like a cloudy city with angels in their wings probably I got most of it from like Looney Tunes I'm thinking now, yeah. but, and you would just kind of do whatever you loved. And you know, God was just hanging out like on a big chair somewhere. And that was, that was heaven for a while until I got deeper into like reading the Bible mm. and, and, and that evolved. But I'm curious, what was your like initial thoughts of heaven? Very was it cloudy. cartoony? Very cloudy. Very <laughs> um, there's a, there's a, there's a joke. And it goes, so um, a bus driver and a preacher both get to heaven at the same time. <laughs> and uh, St. Peter goes, okay, like, rack capacity. <laughs> One of you in <laughs> right capacity. now, the other one's going to have to wait. Um, and he lets the bus driver in. And the preacher goes, oh, what? No, hold on now. Like, I've lived a life according to God. I've lived a life um, according to, um, you know, everything, you know, like. Uh, according to the scriptures, why, why, um, why does he get to go ahead of me? And St. Peter says, well, you know, to be fair, when you were delivering your sermons, everybody was asleep. But when the bus driver was doing his job, everybody was awake and praying. <laughs> that's a really good joke. Yeah. Um, so that's why I think about heaven. <laughs> that's why, um, I think like for me, heaven was very much just like a, it never evolved really necessarily from a like cloudy place. And I think that's just because it's so hard to conceptualize in your brain. Mm. Um, yeah. I think like it, you could very well sit down and think like, okay, like heaven is actually like just this world, but just no crime, no whatever, whatever. But that's, it's still a little bit hard to picture. Mm. And when you're saying like, okay, this person's up in heaven now, you know, it's not like they're like, all right, they live in the same house, just different dimension. Mm. So you're just kind of thinking like it's just life 2.0, but in a different spot, yeah. sort of. Interesting. I I remember as my ideas of heaven started evolving, um, just the more I attended church, for a while it turned into a very prosperity kind of place. Like I remember one time we had a, it was like a guest preacher came in and he talked about heaven and he was like, heaven's not boring. It's not just a, you know, it's not a boring choir service that you sit in for the rest of your life. He's like, it's exciting. It's adventurous. And he's like, he's like, and I know when I get there that it's everything you've always wanted in your life. He's like, I've always wanted a urinal in my bedroom. And he's like, and I'm going to get one in heaven. Cause I know God likes those little, like, so it's all about like, God knows like the little things you enjoy too, like having a urinal <laughs> in your master bathroom. But so then I started evolving into, oh, heaven is like the final prize of life and if you so which kind of makes sense as i'm thinking about how my faith evolved it went from like very uh you know kind of primitive and just like large characters with not a lot of personality to oh god's just gonna reward people at the end of their life good and bad and so you'll get all the good things you want all the prizes um and good things will happen to you um but when i started reading the bible more then it, more questions popped up like, well, what does it look like to be in heaven for eternity? And that honestly scared me. Did you ever think about that? Like, what does eternity look like? I can confidently say that I have never and do never think about the concept of eternity. And even when I I'm admire sitting, that in you, <laughs> like I just I, I sit around and I go, OK, like eternity. What does that mean? Oh, forever. So like now, but just not ending. And I don't ever get any sort of like fear from it hmm. because I'm just, and I think maybe it's because I instinctively know that nothing does last forever because I remember watching like a uh, mission to Mars and Armageddon and movies like that. And it would be like, 
oh, we're doing this because we're Titan AE, for example. And it's just like, oh, like the sun exploded. And that's why everybody had to leave Earth. And I walk out of the movie theater and I'd be like, mom, dad, is the sun going to explode tomorrow? <laughs> and my parents wouldn't say it would never explode. They would just say billions of years from now. Wow. It will explode. My parents would not have that answer at all. They would be like, well, God's got it. He'll figure it no, out. No, they, they were just like <laughs> billions of years from now, you know, we'll be long. They'd be like, oh, the human race would be long. Yeah. Long gone. You'd be long gone. <laughs> like, and Whoa. I think like in that moment, it was maybe like a, a weird way to handle it. But like, it did help me kind of constrict the idea of like, eternity is so vast. Yeah. That. I don't need to comprehend it. Mm. I remember I really I've had a few of those very uh, like awestruck moments as an adult, even on this side of things. I remember specifically at one of my jobs, I was thinking about like when I die, it's just going to keep going like the carousel is just going to keep turning. Wheels are going to keep spinning. People are going to go back to their jobs. And I remember having this sense of dread of like. I'm going to miss everything else that happens. Mm -hmm. Like I'm, I'm just going to miss it. But I think the thing that gives me the greatest comfort. And I still always think about this as far as death is that you don't also, you don't remember what it was like before you were born. And that goes in the opposite direction of infinity. So to me, it's like just as much as I don't know what happened before me and don't experience any of those things, it's going to feel the exact same. I'm not going to know any different. And so that's my, uh, that's my safety blanket in death is like, I won't really know. And that's fine. Yeah. I don't remember when the first Blade Runner was made. <laughs> I remember when 2049 was made. But if they make one after that. I won't be here for I it. I won't be here for it. They're going to make another Indiana Jones in a billion years. Yeah, I don't, I, hopefully, I'm not going to be here for Indiana Jones. <laughs> hopefully, they stop making those. Oh, my God. <laughs> hopefully, while, this is the last while one. While the getting's good. Um, yeah, heaven was always a an odd concept when like because you have the concept of eternity, but then you have to conceptualize it in a way that makes sense to you. Yeah. How would you think somebody got into heaven? Ooh. I'm just gonna jump right into like the cringiest part of my theology because I think that's the most entertaining part of me. <laughs> Let's go. Let's go. Um so when I was really into it, I think heaven was offered as the, the free gift of grace to people. Um, I was very much, I, I think I, w I operated like a Calvinist for that, those years. It was like high school, college years of like, God just lets some people into heaven because he inherently loves them and he will save them. And then some people are just destined and only God knows who those people are. So in my brain, it was, uh, people who accept God's gift of grace by believing in Christ, whatever that belief meant, like it's just saying, whether it's saying a few magic words. Um, but to me, you got to heaven through those specific beliefs. So it was not your record of right or wrongs. Um, I think as a kid, when I was really young, it was like just good people in general. Mm -hmm. Like, And I even, I didn't think even about religion at that point. I just thought like, yeah, sure. Like, you know, Gandhi's probably in heaven or like, I don't know, love. Uh, Whoever, you know, these other philanthropists, they got to be in heaven, even if, no matter where they're at. So yeah. anyway, back to my chicken nuggets. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, back to Rugrats. Yeah. What about you? Like, how did you think people got into heaven? I think the, um, I think for me, it was belief in God when I was a kid. That was like the big thing. Mm -hmm. It was like, okay, belief in God and at least believe that there was a Jesus and that he had, he will have, did have, or. I thought like all the Abrahamic religions all got to heaven and experienced a heaven may not be the one that they like were pining for, but like, so you're like Christian Jews, Muslims, we're good. We're good. <laughs> um, Everybody else you're out. But then when I started getting into being a Baptist, um, I never struck the idea that it was just, um, I, I never adhered to the idea that it was just Baptist. That was the oh, thing. Yeah. yeah. I never had that idea, um, especially since like 99% of my family's Methodist. And then like part of my heritage um, on my grandmother's side is Jewish. Mm. And so uh, 
That's interesting. So you had like family ties. That's why you were yeah. willing to open up the yeah. circle a little bit. Yeah. Well, like, cause you don't want to sit there and be like, well, great, great Mima who I didn't know. Yeah. Um, this is Jewish, but like, even then, like it just kind of didn't make sense to me to just like prohibit that. I mm-hmm. think I had two parallel beliefs running at the same time. I think I had one where it was like in order to believe or in order to get to heaven, you have to believe in God and believe in Jesus Christ and sacrifice to be saved. And I was willing to add a footnote. that's like, if you believe that this will at one point happen in the future, that's okay. Mm, Um, Interesting. And so like, I think for, I I think I just, it it didn't make any sense to me that God would create and anoint the Jewish people. Yeah. And and then then have Jesus come and then just immediately like, punish them too late too little too late yeah, <laughs> build this whole idea and then jesus come and then like the people in power you know uh according to the story of people in power um thrust him on the cross kill him persecute him everything like that and do what would be i guess like if, if you're thinking about from that aspect it's like okay this guy came around he people were saying he was the messiah we put him up on the cross. He's dead now. Let's just get our message out there that he wasn't. Hmm. And then they all get tricked. Like it doesn't make any sense that that's. Isn't it interesting that as kids, we had a much more inclusive heaven. And yeah. then as we get older, like the, it narrows. No. Like, well, I don't think Swifties <clears throat> should go to heaven. <laughs> I'm in agreement with you. Yeah. And we're going to burn a few listeners there, but. Oh yeah, Definitely. <laughs> But like, I think definitely as I've gotten older, I'm like, you know, if there is a heaven, there are people that I would pick that would not go. Um, oh, but yeah, it's like, I just remember thinking, here's another thought is, um, this is, I remember one of the first uh, issues I had with something that was taught with me in church was um, my parents told me that animals won't go to heaven. That our dog, because I remember we had. There's a movie about this. I know, <laughs> a biblical movie. But I remember them saying, like, well, like animals don't have souls, and only things that have souls, which are humans, because they have like the breath of God in them, go to heaven. So that's why, and that's it's also how they justified we can eat animals. It's like, well, we're allowed to eat animals and kill them and like hunt them because they don't have souls, so it doesn't matter. They're no. just. They're just animals. They're walking around. Whereas we are the image of God. And so we go back to heaven with God. So but I remember feeling so upset as a kid that like my little animal friends that I had were going to just die in the ground. And I was going to be, and I thought, what a horrible heaven that I want to spend it with like animals and like the things I actually enjoy. Yeah. And they're not, I'm just going to have a bunch of pastors and angels and people (laughs) i don't like to be around and i the way the way it was explained away to me it was like no they don't have souls but in heaven you get whatever you want so Mm. if you wanted your animals (laughs) your pets you could have them in heaven there's a form you have to fill out in heaven (laughs) animal request form 99 (laughs) um that was I, but I remember like that being like a big conversation. Yeah. And, you know, I remember telling my mom about it and she was like, well, anything that has a protective nature, I think has a soul. And so like dogs, cats, stuff like that. Hmm. Um, That's interesting. But then I was just like, okay, like, so that could be literally anything because literally any animal will want to protect its young. Yeah. Um, Snakes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like the whole you're right like there was a restriction on just people Mm -hmm. get into heaven um yeah and uh i just remember that was one where i thought man i don't know if i agree with this teaching of heaven Mm. and as i got older and, and started doing more bible study on my own i realized that there's really no descriptions like we talked about hell it's like all of this is just conjecture. People just sort of make this up from what they've been told their whole life. Yeah. And people believe this like angel city, like get whatever you want. Carnival is really not, there's no specific verses. I mean, there's like things you could allude to like, Oh, like, I don't know. You could say that new Jerusalem. Yeah. Like, and, but people just kind of make up what they think it's going to look like. Yeah. And that always sat odd with me that, um, people would preach from a, a place of authority. Like they knew that like they, they knew about this a hundred percent, like that God told them, but then they would have totally conflicting views. Yeah. Um, 
And even in the Bible, when Jesus is talking about heaven, a lot of the times he's talking about it in an end times type of way. Just kind yes. of how were you getting at uh, in kind of our last two episodes um, is when Jesus talks about heaven, he's saying that like heaven is coming. That's a great point. And I want to even to jump back to is heaven is not this like extraterrestrial, like way far away place when they're talking about in the New Testament. Some people could argue this, but you look in Genesis one and it says God made an expanse between the earth and the heaven heavens, which is just the sky. One through seven, just one through seven, one through six is the earth. Seven is up there with (laughs) pastor Dave. (laughs) But, uh, Heavens was the sky. People yeah. looked to the heavens for signs. They saw clouds. They saw stars. That was their, they thought there was actual activity going on up there. And so when Jesus was preaching about the kingdom of heaven, it wasn't like, oh, this like angel city, like on the moon, that's going to come down. Like they were thinking like, oh, the clouds are going to open up and like the sky, yeah. sky angels are going to come in and save the day. So it had a very, at least in my interpretation of, um, it was like a kingdom that was just right above you. Like, and it was just yeah. ready to come at any moment down to earth. Like, and I would even go so far as to say, even if Jesus didn't believe that heaven was a physical place resting above everybody. Yeah. I would still say that his belief in heaven wasn't so much an afterlife as it yes. was a doomsday. Yes. Um, 100%. interpretation of, uh, heaven. Um, because anytime you see Jesus talking about heaven, he's just like, and he'll say like, you know, the kingdom of heaven is coming, this, that, or the other. And even at some points he's, he'll say like, he says in the Bible, he says, and this is a little bit more, um, hyperbole probably is what he's doing, but he even goes so far as to say heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not Mm. like he's. So even then, there's the idea of maybe heaven has an expiration date, just like Earth does. Yeah, for um, sure. Which can lend credence to your idea that heaven was a physical place and could end at some point when the sun burns out billions of years from now. Yeah. Like, like um, I think you're right. I don't think they were thinking in, in an eternity expanse of like, oh, we're just going to go yeah. to this city and it's going to be magical forever. Like they thought <clears throat> heaven is going to come to Earth and wreak havoc and it's going to make things right it was a doomsday it was the day of reckoning yep. but we don't know what else is going to happen after that yep. there could be god could have another plan after that um so devil's advocate here to both of us let's do it a thief on the cross Ooh, ooh, thief on the cross um jesus does say to him today you will be with me in paradise, in paradise yeah so how like what do you think Jesus is saying in that moment if he said it at all? That is a great, I think that one is so tricky. Um, I think the context one is Jesus being Jewish and a rabbi. Um, the Old Testament is is fairly unclear on what the afterlife looks like um, at times. And mm-hmm. so I think some say that you just, would die and go to a place called Sheol that was like a just a place of resting, yeah. um, kind of like a Hades place, um, where it wasn't necessarily bad, but also wasn't great. It was just kind of like a holding ground, I guess. Mm-hmm. And then some would say there's going to be like a um, a new earth that was coming. And then some would say that there was like what they called Abraham's bosom. Yeah. Jesus also mentions <laughs> about that, <laughs> where it's like this final <laughs> resting place where you're reunited with everybody's your loved ones. Everybody's just hanging. Everybody <laughs> just gets turned. Just Yay. Give him a good back roll. <laughs> Snuggle into Abraham's chest. He has just big, <laughs> massive. He's got big titties. <laughs> He's got tickle bitties. <laughs> Abraham is just an absolute busty <laughs> fella. He's just... <laughs> He's just bouncing around heaven. <laughs> oh my god! But you just, it's just like it's just like two pigs in a sack fighting over it. People just there's a line and it's just Abraham at the front. Just nope, people nope, get nope, motorboating nope. right into Abraham <laughs> for eternity. Boy, this is heaven. Yep. Thanks for tuning in today, everybody. <laughs> but 
So, but they had another, uh, that was one phrase I was used was Abraham's bosom. And it was like, and motorboating, <laughs> motorboating. That's what the message version says. <laughs> motorboating Abraham. Brought up to motorboat. <laughs> <laughs> I can't stop thinking about Abraham's mess. <laughs> oh, it's so funny. Um, but yeah, but, thief on the cross. So I, anyway, that was a long way of saying, I think they had an idea of this afterlife where you were like reunited with your loved ones. Um, and it's kind of like a final resting place. So I do think the way Jesus taught, we touched on this last episode is it was a little bit more about works and like, are you a good person or not? Are, are good people? And I think he saw a twinge of goodness in the thief at that last moment and go, you know what? You are good enough to, that I think you're going to get to paradise today. Yeah. So, and I think because the juxtaposition, which you do see we can get into the fact that are there three thieves on the cross or are there five? Um, Because there's one, there's one gospel that mentions five. Um, But with Jesus, um, you've got the thief beside him who's mocking him Mm -hmm. and the thief on the other side that's mocking him. So let's take a step back and let's, let's um, consider Jesus not being a spiritual being. Let's, yeah. Let's ask, okay, if Jesus is not God, what does this mean? Um, Besides the fact that like blood's draining from his head. <laughs> Just besides that. Like, yeah. We have to consider the fact that he's being crucified in this moment and that he's that everyone's lightheaded when they're up there. <laughs> um, at the very least. I think the other thing is you're right, Jesus offering some solace to this man who is repentant, but in the same yeah. scenario that he is. And the guy recognizes him as a rabbi and says, like, I'm really sorry for everything that I did. Like, yeah. is there any hope for me? And Jesus is like, yes. And this other guy's just like, hope for my cock. He's like, <laughs> just like yelling at him on the God. other side, you know, like, yeah, I do think seeing if I think the Bible's written in a way that it manipulates us to believe that Christ is just like, you know, spiritual extraterrestrial that has all God's magic powers. But Jesus has a historical person. And if, if he was crucified in this manner, I do think that's more of the case of that. He was a rabbi that was giving people some hope of like, yeah. you which, know what? You, you have hope after this. You're not going to, I'm getting chills thinking about it, but the idea that you had a rabbi up until the point of death. Sure. Consoling people. Yeah. While he's dying himself is, I think it, it, yeah, it's I, beautiful. I, yeah. It's beautiful. It's powerful. And it's something that we should, you know, celebrate and try and emulate in our own life. Yeah. And I could go on a tangent on this point, but this interpretation gives me more hope and helpfulness rather than that all this like magical transactions of like Christ's sacrifice and like God needed a, a blood sacrifice to appease his wrath and blah, blah, blah. It's like, or maybe the lesson is if you're in this tough situation, uh, offer, you know, consolation to others in that time. Don't, yeah. don't just look at even to the last final breath, how can you give comfort to the person next to you? And I think that's a wonderful lesson, but instead we kind of turned it into, I ah, just got his tokens in the last second and he, he yeah, got so, his ticket to so heaven. There's, it's never too late for anybody. Right. Cause it was always taught of like, yeah, Jesus will always, he'll offer forgiveness at any moment and then you can get your ticket to heaven right at that yeah. moment. And I, I don't like that heaven was this reward for good people later that I think it's really destructive now um, yeah. that everything that is going to happen later, we should just wait on. So for right now, we're not going to fix anything yeah. like, well, heaven will, everything will be perfect in heaven. So, you know, screw earth, who cares? It's like, no, we should try to make this heaven. That's what the whole point is, is like, how can we make this be our paradise yeah. now? How can this be the new Jerusalem? How can this be the yeah, new heaven? Instead of like, wait, new and new I think earth. it's so destructive of people just saying, it's how we have this whole climate change problem is like people, well, the next generation will deal with this. It's like, no, no, it's when will you do it? Yeah. We're here. We're in office. We're voting. Like, let's do it. This was my whole problem when I was going through my crisis of faith was I never cared about why bad things happen to good people. That kind of made Hmm. sense to me. The rain falls on either side the same way. Yeah. Hmm. But if you have a Gus jot, if you have a just God, Gus Jod? Uh, uh, yeah, if, you have Gus Jod? <laughs> if you have a just God, why do 
good things happen to bad people. Yeah, absolutely. Like where's the, where's the justice? Mm -hmm. Or why do you bad people get so much authority and power at times? Right. Like it doesn't, it doesn't drive, like you said, I can understand. Yeah. Especially over God's people, God's chosen people, people who have, uh, risked their entire lives for him. Um, I, the Hitler example is always an example for me. Sure. Um, where it's like, okay, well you have like the, the whole idea of you have to pray yourself out of scenarios or that if you don't have enough faith, like even as I was a Christian, that didn't make sense to me where it was just like when someone would say, um, well, you have depression, you need to pray yourself out of depression. Mm. And I would just be like, okay, let's have this, take this a step further. Is, is prayer always the solution? Mm. Because if that's so, then you've got, what was it like? I'm forgetting the number and I'm going to be very sorry for forgetting the number, but like 6 million Jews who just didn't pray enough. Yeah. Right. You have children in the hospital that just aren't praying hard enough, but then, you know, pastor Tom can get a parking spot at, you know, the local Christian bookstore. And that that was his answered prayer. Prayer. We should do another episode on just prayer alone. I think because you have like Sudanese Christians who are getting like persecuted who just aren't praying enough. Is that, is that your answer? That's my whole like freaking problem with this is that it's, and getting back to heaven is that the whole idea that we have created for ourselves is that it is level two. Yes. We just, but, and we need to just endure level one and not get to level two. Yep. Exactly. That it's is, just get through this life as, and don't make as many waves and just sit around. Um, donate to church. Don't like do your, do your job, come home, have a family. Maybe pray for your coworker here and there, your, yeah. you know, you know, bring him to a lunch. Feel guilty on Sunday when your pastor says you need to pray more. And it's like, uh, okay, I'll do it for a week. Like I, it's just heaven is, this is where my alternative problem comes in. Cause we talked about hell and how it seemed totally unfair to good people. Heaven equally seems unfair to those who are good because what if Hitler in his last moments repented? Well, yeah. I mean, as we've discussed, it's just, it, it doesn't feel right that you can, be awful and a monster your whole life and then get the same reward according to calvinism was chosen well yeah that's that's why calvinism sucks yeah it's it blows because you just have to deal with that when you get up there and you're like that god get up there and he's like well hide it oh my god um (laughs) we promise hitler won't be in the next episode (laughs) yeah sorry i think three for three third episode in a row (laughs) but like it, it it doesn't make sense with the context of telling me that uh, this God is just because you then you go, well, you know, his ways are not always. I'm like, OK, saying something is just. Is like relative to something. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Justice how do, how do you is know? Relative. How do you know God is good? How do you know like, what justice is? Like, yeah. what yeah. if God is by murdering is murder good? Yeah. We don't know. And the God that is not just if he is real demands worship of his people. Yeah. And that's another thing that uh, Christians need to wrestle with is like, okay, like we talk about God being just God's justice is his own justice and he knows best. I'm like, okay, what if he's not? Yeah. And, but what if he's real? What if I'm wrong? Like, and he's going to send me to hell. Like, but he also is just very like not just in his ways. He's a very much a Zeus like character. Or something like that that exists. That'd be I, funny, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like I, it's it's like it, it's it 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 racks my brain a little bit because it's like you have your own idea of justice and you think that God's being just in well, that way. Yeah, I think it brings it back to the. Uh, there's always the argument of like, how would you, how do you have a moral compass without Christianity, and how do you have a moral compass? And I think, are, are you? Do you have? you know, air in your lungs. Like it, we know what justice looks like it, it, as a society, we form our moral code and it's foolish to think that we just are, we only need it from the Bible. Cause you look at the Bible and you think, what is the right thing to do in some of these cases? Like should, you know, and so I don't want to get too off talk with like yeah. laws and justice, but I think about, we have such conflicting ideas on what even heaven looks like as, as Christians that how do we understand what true justice looks like then? If we can't even get, what our final destination is going to look like for sure. Um, so heaven to me was 
Um, and, and to kind of go back into my very deep theological days, I, I later started imagining heaven as a real place of earth 2.0, but it was, it was reality and it was here. It was like a new earth. Mm. And I remember thinking that I would just the enjoy. The Pacers never lost. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the I, Colts I saw it still like, had Peyton Manning. <laughs> it was going to be as, re- and I remember people preaching to me, be like, it'd be like reality now, but even with even more like a fresh eyes and that you'd be able to do that. All the things that you currently love, but without any, like with to your heart's desire. So if you love to paint, you, love to, you know, make music, if you love to watch sports, that all can be I available. love cocaine. But I remember thinking this, somebody, <laughs> I love cocaine. Will that be in heaven? <laughs> but it brings a question of like things you enjoy. Uh, one of my friends in college, and this is, I thought it was such a stupid question when he asked me in college, but it sat with me. So he said, well, if you love sports, would sports be in heaven? And I was like, well, yeah, sure. He's like, but isn't competition a sin? And I was like, no, that's stupid. And I thought, well, what's the whole point of competition? Isn't it not to like make do better than somebody else? Like, yeah, and that's nothing's wrong with that. And I was like, but if heaven is perfect, can you have a place? Can there be competition Ooh. in heaven? Can there be a place that is perfect and free from sin, but yet still have competition and competitive attitude? And I no, really racked my brain. No, because everybody gets a trophy at the end. <laughs> There's bowling in heaven. We know this for a fact. <laughs> There's at least bowling. But there's oh, those types of questions of like, yeah. what is a perfect reality look like and this is more philosophical kind of stuff we're kind of getting away from the bible but i think it's fascinating of um yeah like is competition a perfect virtue like is it right and good to be competitive and i don't have an answer for that i think i think as humans uh you know to be competitive is how we kind of do better in certain things but i think there's there is an element of i gotta do what's right for me it's a little bit selfish i think so I don't. I mean, what, what's your knee jerk reaction to competition? I think, I think competition is one of those things that's uh, permissible. Yeah, you know, like in 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 of itself, like it's. I wouldn't call it holy or good or sanctified. I also wouldn't call hmm. it evil in and of itself. I think yeah, it's just a way for. I, I mean, it's just a way for people to kind of like race against each other or like uh, figure out who's like because it does make you. It, it like it, it's a double edged sword because it can make you know society seedier. It can also make society right. It, it can also you know yeah. advance technology. It can advance ideas. You, you've got um, it, it. It's just one of those things that uh, depends on the heart behind the competition in and of itself. Yeah. Um, but that is an interesting thought on, like if, a perfect society. Yeah. What, what elements are there? Yeah. yeah. Is competition and a necessity of a good society, like perfect place to live. Here's another thought. And I just kind of recently was, uh, mulling this idea over is, is there, um, in a, in heaven or a perfect world, is there free will? Can you do whatever you want to do, including to sin? Yes, but you wouldn't want to, but <laughs> that's right. I w- it would all be gone all as be soon good. as I get you to heaven. Be, you would worship God forever and everything that you do <laughs> up there. It would be you, you know you wouldn't you wouldn't want to. So like <laughs> you wouldn't want to. You wouldn't want to. Uh, so like kind of how we talked about maybe one or two episodes ago um, about hell being the idea. I brought up the idea of hell being the idea of just like unfettered vices. Um, oh like yeah. You just you're, indulge like. If you are a glutton, you're just eating to the point of not being able to move. Mm-hmm. If you're an adulterer, you've got like every STI. Mm-hmm. Like you just like um, if and so like any sort of um, sin or vice that you're indulging in, you're indulging in it to the point of like physical suffering. Yeah, sure. Um, and however that might look with... Um, with heaven, it's the exact opposite where it's everything that we're designed to want as spiritual beings that we would ever indulge in. And we are completely fulfilled. Hmm. That's the way that I had it in my late Christian life, uh, explained to me. Yeah. Um, where it was, you just, you know, we, everyone's born with a God sized hole in their heart. Um, but once we get into heaven, 
God. Once you're saved, that hole gets filled. And then once you're in heaven, you are face to face with what fills that hole. Now, here's my question, though. Was not God's first creation paradise? It was. The the Garden of Eden. And was there free choice to sin in that garden? mm. Well, see... Um, uh, I never thought about that until like recent years that God's first crack at the perfect society, he made a huge error in giving people free will. But people say, well, it's a necessity to love God with all your heart is you have to freely love and freely choose God. He knew Adam and Eve would do it. He knew. He knew. He he loved them anyway. That's right. And so the whole, he... He, cre- <laughs> uh, so, uh, so he carry the two out of me, <laughs> but the snake, he didn't count on the, he did count on the snakes, created the snake. And then he, d- and so uh, uh-huh. it's not God's fault. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's an interesting, uh, thought experiment of if God's, the garden Eden was the perfect place, uh, People are freely willing, they could freely choose sin and leave that paradise. Yeah. So what why would heaven be any different? And I also I think the biggest question mm-hmm. is if you have to truly if you have to freely choose God all the time to love him, because he doesn't want, you know, just these robots worshiping him. He wants that's what I was taught was, you know, he doesn't want robot worship. He wants you to choose him freely. And he, God wants the people that love him from their heart. Exactly. But if I'm in heaven. Is there at any chance could I go, you know what, like maybe today I'm gonna not no. join the worship service. I'm gonna go play golf. I'm gonna go <laughs> jack off. <laughs> that would be how we leave Evan. Evan, we saw you. Bye. <laughs> Evan. Get out of here. You do realize that this is we can see everything. everything. Here. Oh, didn't know this was a police day. <laughs> sorry, let me go back to my urinal sorry, in my bedroom. Sorry, I thought this was America. Those is a free country. Those is heaven. Uh, this is Randy Marsh getting kicked out of a baseball game, but in heaven. I hope Randy Marsh is in heaven. That yeah. that would make heaven for me. What if cartoons got saved? Jesus. Evan, what's your final thought on heaven? What did, what's your last? Your last. I think bit? I held on to heaven a lot more than I did hell. Mm. Um, because it's something you kind of don't think about, and like. Because when someone you love dies or somebody you love passes away or something like that, um, you don't want to think about the inevitability of just a life ending and there's nothing gets passed on. Yeah. Um, it's hard to think about existence after death. It's very uncomfortable. Yeah, it's very uncomfortable and it's very unsettling. But at the same time, um, like you have however many years you have on this earth right now, why not spend them wisely? Yeah. Um, and it's still something I struggle with where I'm just like, am I spending? Is this it? Is this yeah. like, what do I, how do I how help? Do, yeah. Someone <laughs> help me. Um, and you, you have wasted moments. Oh yeah. yeah. I'm talking about you, Scott. Years. You have wasted moments. <laughs> I think I've wasted about 51 minutes of a lot yes. of people's moments. Yes. <laughs> um, it just inevitably you have that, uh, in, life and i think mm. heaven is just a it's just a comfort against those feelings yeah yep agree otherwise it wouldn't be eternal nope wouldn't need it yeah heaven um it was tough to give up i i was the same boat like it was i think it's easier to give up hell cuz the idea of people being tortured endlessly just did not sit right for a long time. And so the idea of people being just tortured endlessly by Chris Tomlin. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> the way heaven was first pitched as a kid was like, I don't want to be there. I don't want to sit like church is only an hour and a half and I'm ready to go at the wow. end of it. And like, I can imagine a billion a years of this? in heaven. I've never heard anybody say that. We I did. legit thought heaven for a bit was going to be just like me in a pew for like a billion years. And I was like, this sucks. Maybe. And I was like, at least hell is going to have naked ladies and stuff. Like, <laughs> like I was so, I, I did not like the notion of heaven for a while, but I agree with you where it was tough to give up. And now, you know, the, the thought of you die and 
that's it. And you you have this one blip of your moment uh, that you have. So how can you spend it wisely? How can you do, get the most out of it? And I think I had a, a, my concerning thought is always like leaving a legacy. I think it's what people want mm. so badly is like, I, it, cause that's, that's your, and people want to live forever. And so that's why people try to leave a legacy because they can feel like they are living beyond themselves. Right. And I struggle with that of like, am I leaving a legacy enough? Am I leaving enough of a legacy? And I always go back to like, you can't remember. I think this was, um, I forgive me, I, the skate skater, uh, Rodney Mullen, I think. Um, he has a really good thought about name five of the Olympians from the last 10 years. Like if you can name five from the last 10 years. Katie Ledecky, Michael Phelps. <sighs> Now I'm struggling. Name 10. Can you name even 10? You said five. I know, but I'm t- like, it's like, you can name maybe two or three, maybe four or five, but like. 10 Olympians, period? Yeah, just in general. Like, it's tough. Bruce Jenner, I mean. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it's tough. Like, yeah, yeah, like it, it is tough to go. But back now that remember, far. can you remember the name of your favorite school teacher? I didn't really have school teachers. Oh, God damn it, Evan. This yeah, whole. No, I'm not great. Well, at what it. I was going to say is that the whole point of legacy is that we try to achieve these like huge goals of like, right. I need to be an Olympian. I need to be the president of the United States. I need to like have a podcast that has a hundred subscribers. <laughs> <laughs> like and follow and subscribe. Um, All tens of our subscribers. But then I realized like that's not legacy. Like people will not remember those things at the end. Mm-hmm. But what, what it matters is the personal encounter with people. That's what's memorable. So it's like, I can remember some of my favorite teachers, like Mr. Cherry in like high school or like uh, Mrs. Butcher. I know these are silly names, but like Mrs. Butcher in fourth grade, she was the most inspiring teacher. And it's all about personal touch of the people that you have in your circle. You should make an impact with them in your life. And that's what matters most is like, how are you impacting the people that you are around? Don't worry about like, how's the whole world going to remember me? Am I going to have a Wikipedia page? It's like, at the end of the day, no one even remembers. I don't even know the Super Bowl champion. You probably do, but <laughs> it's like I can't name like every celebrity, or every Oscar winner from you know start to finish. It's like so these huge goals of legacy. At the end of the day, uh, to me, it, it doesn't matter. It's just about personal your, what you do with your your close circle. Right. Yeah. Uh, Scott, what do you got to plug? Oh boy, what am I? Uh, Probably with everybody else in America right now, but I think we talked about the the righteous gemstones is out and it's in it is so good. So if you like our podcast and you have not watched Righteous Gemstones, you have to. It's so funny, so good, um, so good. But I, I watched the first like well, I don't know two or three episodes and mm. it's so good. So that's my mm. that's my quick plug, mm. Evan. Um. Likewise that, but also I watched the movie The Founder the other day about the McDonald's guy. I watched that, yeah. What'd you think? Boy. <laughs> what what a bad person. Yeah. What a what a mean guy. What a what a what a what a dick. What a what a jerk. Yeah. What a Anyway, gonna go get McDonald's. <laughs> yeah, I still love McDonald's just, for the record. But boy, rough rough start to that company. But uh I don't know. Michael Keaton. Yeah. Not bad. And Nick Offerman too. Shout yeah. out to him. Yeah. And yeah, Nick Offerman. Uh, and then some other guy. Uh <laughs> BJ Novak's in that. Oh yeah. Yeah, he's a lawyer. Um hmm. yeah, I watched that one of Laura Dern's in it. Oh, I can't remember. She, she's his original wife. Mm. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. It's been a but, yeah, really good movie. Highly recommend it. Um I I'm ashamed to say that like I watched that movie and then I was like, ah, oh, geez. And then like the next day I was like, boy, I could, <laughs> I could go for a cheeseburger. <laughs> right? like, it's the hook man. that has on us. I know. So, um, thank you so much for listening to our episode. We really appreciate it. You can follow us at unblessed pod at Twitter on well, whenever Twitter comes back up. Um, TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, um, you can also email us at unblessedpodcast at gmail.com. That's U N B L E B L E S S E S C D O T O D C H S T at Gmail. Um, I thought I could like spell it real fast. 
but thank you so much for listening. It means a lot. Um, without further ado, my name is Evan. And I'm Scott. And don't forget to close your Bible.